Well, I invite you today to look to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 1 through 8 as we look there together. Now, last week we asked the question, what does the gospel have to say to us? We saw that the gospel shows us that Christ is the barrier-breaking God who breaks down the barriers we erect between us and God and and the barriers we erect between one another. But then we, we said this, we thought about this. The gospel of peace not only needs to work for me, but to work through me for the world around me as evidence of our hope of God making all things right. Evidence of our hope of God making all things right. And that hope, that hope that God is going to make all things right, is the hope that pulls us forward. So for a few moments, consider with me this life-shaping, world-transforming, future-hoping gospel, the gospel of hope. Now, we turn to the one book in the New Testament that refers to hope more than any other book in the New Testament. Other than the book of Psalms and, fascinatingly, the book of Job, the book of Romans references hope more than any other book in the Bible. As we turn to a passage in Romans that is describing for us, in some way, um, how the gospel of Jesus Christ begins to affect our lives, the the effect of this life of Christ on our lives, Um, let's see what we can learn as we think about living this gospel of hope out. This is the word of the Lord for us from Romans chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. Therefore, since you have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Some of your translations say hope does not disappoint because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Thanks be to God for his word. Amen. Three times Paul refers to hope in our text. But hope always seems like a tricky word. I think it's a word that's rooted in misconceptions. For example, some people imagine that hope is simply the idea of of generating enough positive thinking. If you just can have the positive of power of thinking, if you just think positive thoughts, you will think your way to hope. Well, it's sort of like a person who says something like this. Age is a state of mind. I bet you some of you have said that. Age is a state of mind, and I love that. Until I get out of bed and I realize my body is stiffer than it was 20 years ago, and I realize it's not always a state of mind. No matter how much positive thinking there's going to be, I'm not so sure my body's going to be as limber as it was when I was 40 years old. Though the way we think contributes to the hope we have or our ability to hope, it is so much more than positive thinking. And yet hopeful thinking does begin with what we think about God. Others see hope as simply dismissing the bad. 
not focusing on the difficult issues and the circumstances of life, putting on the proverbial rose-colored glasses. Well, this misconception uh, simply delays the painful realities that remain in the world and in life, no matter how rosy the lens of life we look through. And yet there's also something to be said about looking at those painful realities through the lens of faith, which is anything but rosy. We are reminded in this passage that, that any follower of Jesus, any follower of Jesus, is not exempt from pain and suffering in life. Remember what Paul just said, suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. Now, we all would testify to the truth that suffering is no respecter of persons. And looking out at our world, we all would confess to the brokenness that's all around us. No measure of positive thinking is going to relieve us of the human suffering and sorrow in the world. Just thinking positively is not going to address the racial inequities in our world. Just thinking positively is not going to address the economic pressures. Just thinking positively is not going to address the divisiveness or the violence or the anger or the pain or the suffering in our world or the disease in our world. Not enough. But the hope we find in Jesus reminds us that the final and ultimate word is not the brokenness. It's not the suffering. It's not the divisiveness. It's not the injustice. The final word is the hope in the glory of God. Hope in what God is and will do in making all things right. And that is why, as that one translation says, hope will not lead to disappointment and it will not put us to shame. Hope's powerful. Recently, Pastor Tim Keller, some of you are very aware of him and his writings, he revealed that he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer just, just over three weeks ago, three, four weeks ago. In doing so, he asked for prayer. And in asking, he revealed the power of this forward-pulling hope. He said this, I have terrific human doctors, but most importantly, I have the great physician himself caring for me. Though we have had times of shock and fear, God has been remarkably present with me through all the many tests, biopsies, and surgery of the past few weeks. If you are willing to pray for me, here are things to pray for. For God to use medical means or his direct intervention to make the cancer regress to the point of vanishing. Pray for Kathy and me that we use this opportunity to be weaned from the joys of the world and to desire God's presence above all. Pray for my family to be comforted and encouraged for the side effects of treatment to allow me to continue writing and speaking. And then he paraphrases Hebrews 12 when he says, Running the race set before me with joy, for Jesus ran an infinitely harder race with joy for me. Do you know what that sounds like? Suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character character hope. Do you have hope? This life shaped by hope. Now hope is also one of the three Christian virtues that Paul declares in the great love chapter. You know, that's that beautiful poetic chapter we read at weddings. Uh, the love chapter. 
Now, you may remember that towards the end of that chapter, uh, sandwiched between faith and hope, sandwiched between faith and love, is hope. Now, these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. And he tells us the greatest of these is love. But sandwiched between faith and love is hope. In some ways, I think, hope is what results from our faith and leads us to loving well. Now again, listen to verse 5. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now hear that. Hope does, does not put us to shame. Think about that for a moment. Because God's love has been poured out into us by the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Without hope, love gets clogged up. It gets clogged up with cynicism and criticism and moralism and despair. Those things take the place of love. And what comes out of us when hope gets clogged up is not loving. We need hope in many ways to keep the channel of our hearts and our lives unobstructed to allow the work of God that has been poured out into our whole, our hearts to flow from within us. The days we find ourselves in seem hard-pressed to find instances of hope, don't they? The political divides that are stoked by all sides. The impact of COVID-19, and it's made us all weary. The painful and horrific images of George Floyd's killing has been awful, difficult to see. This whole event, which so many people from every spectrum have said, enough in the name of Christ, enough. The violence that has erupted, which is not representative of the intention of the overwhelming majority of protesters who are simply exercising a right to free speech. The majority of those folks, they're not interested in violence. That violence steals our hope. All of these images of 2020 have made it seem as if hope has been sidelined, like the many sports that are just waiting to resume, to get back into the game. And if your hope is just thinking positive thoughts, or if your hope is simply looking through rose-colored glasses, then it will be true. Hope will be sidelined because neither of those options is really hope. And if your hope is focused on institutions and organizations and groups that are made up of fallen human beings, then your hope will be disappointed. But scripture calls us to a different hope, a hope that is rooted in the eternal God who has poured out his love into us. Now, one of those places where Paul explodes with hope in the book of Romans is found in Romans 15. Some of you can recite this verse very clearly. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. These recent days, I've been thinking about my mentor and soul friend and brother, Ron Addy. He was very fond of those words. In fact, Romans 15, 13 became a theme for his life in the final year of his life, especially the years leading up to his death, but in the final years 
of his life. And him and I would talk about those very often. For Ron, those words were fuel. They were fuel for the propulsion of his faith. Fuel for the propulsion of his faith, particularly through the harsh and painful moments and weeks and days of his cancer. He would walk through that difficulty. And those words fueled his life. And he said this. The hope God intended to give to me was not a fleeting wish. Across your fingers brand. Isn't that interesting? The hope God intended to give to me was not a fleeting wish. Across your fingers brand of hope. As I reflect on them and on him in these harsh and painful and difficult days... I too am reminded that hope is the propulsion for faith right now. And even as my friend Ron would affirm, the challenge of the suffering and the pain of brokenness in the world that we endure and that we absorb dim our ability to see something good beyond the moment at times. But our faith calls us to look beyond the moment even as we are very present to and in the moment. As I said this past Sunday, last Sunday we said these words, we are the people who believe in the God who will make all things right. And we believe that God calls us to join him in living lives that reflect what it means for him to make all things right. We believe that the gospel is that powerful. We believe that the gospel of hope is that powerful. That is the hope that adds fuel to our faith in these days. The hope of what God will do informs and encourages a hope in what God can and does do in these days we live in right now. Hear that again. The hope of what God will do informs and encourages a hope in us in what God can and does do in these days we live in right now. The God who is redeeming the world right now. And it is that hopefulness through our faith in Jesus that does not allow us to sit on the sidelines with a failed hope. But rather, it calls us into the arena of brokenness and sin to announce a different message than what is promoted in news outlets and many social media expressions. I wonder, where are you being called into the arena of brokenness? Ron's Ron's version of Romans 5.5 was this. He is the God of hope. And hope does not disappoint us. No, it doesn't. This hope also invites us. It beckons us. This hope summons you and me to live different lives. Quite different lives. Lives that are molded and shaped not by current events or political allegiances or talking heads. But lives that are formed and shaped by the God of all hope. The God of all hope who has hope for all. And we trust in him. And as we trust in him, as the powerful forces of joy and peace grow in our hearts, hope overflows. And in many ways, hope is just like peace, as we mentioned last week. Hope must not only work for me, but it must work through me for the world. And so my hope is intended to be world transforming. Hope. This intentional expectation and anticipation of what God is doing and will do grows and overflows, as Paul says. Overflowing hope, it suggests that it cannot be contained. The love of God, the hope of the love of God poured out into my heart overflows. It cannot be contained. It suggests that it spills over the sides of the cup of my life. 
and especially when the cup of my life is bumped by the challenges of life. Now that sounds really nice, doesn't it? It sounds kind of great, but it can be really hard. Right now, the cup of life is being bumped hard regularly. So I asked myself, what does it mean, what does it mean to me to overflow with hope in these days? This hope in the glory of God. Well, it means these things to me. I want you to ask yourself, what does it mean to you in this day, in this time? It means this. It means that I can trust the God of hope in these tumultuous times. He is not caught off guard. He is ever faithful and good. It means that what I see in the great divisiveness and incivility in our world, what it means to me is that, that will not have the final word. And that is good news. Jesus Christ has and is still the final word. It means, what this hope means to me is that God is actively working among us. Now think with me along this for a moment. Renewal is actually taking place even though it looks messy. So I have hope for a renewal of perspective of things that matter most. As so many things have been stripped away from us in this pandemic season, have we discovered what really matters in life, in church, in the world? I have hope in the midst of the racial tension and difficulty and struggles we're having of a renewing of our vision of humanity as made in the image of God. I have hope that in new ways we will find unity in our diversity, the diversity which is a reflection of the beauty of God. Why? Because God has not left the scene. He has not walked away. In fact, if the incarnation of Jesus, if the coming of Jesus to our world teaches us anything, it is that he steps right into the middle of a messy world. And isn't that something we learned from our passage this morning, from Paul's words in the passage when he said this? You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Verses 6 through 8. God does not wait until we have it all together. He walks right into our unput-together lives and selves, and he loves us right in the mess. Maybe that's a message for us, isn't it? John 1.14 in the message paraphrase says this, The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. The gospel of hope starts with the truth that he moves into every neighborhood, right into the mess. So maybe that's part of what my life needs to look like. This picture of hope offers me great hope when I recognize that he reaches into my mess, Jeff DeFrance's mess, though that is the last thing I deserve. It's the last thing you deserve. It means I am invited by him. And this is where there's hope to be formed more and more, to be like him, to examine my heart and see what it means for my life to look like Jesus. And since he is making all things new, that includes you and me. And that means this, that I need to release my tight grip on my petrified categories and be teachable by the Holy Spirit. And yes, it means not only must I listen, but I must listen, I can listen, and I can be shaped anew. So I have hope that I can change, even through his grace. 
he steps into the mess of my life and the mess of our world, he still does that. And because of the hope we have, his stepping into the world's mess looks an awful lot like you and me. This hope means to me that my life, this hope I have, means my life calls me to mourn and lament those places where it seems that hopelessness has taken hold. My heart needs to be broken at the pain and suffering we see in these days. Not try and make political arguments or moral justifications or, or make my defense but to sit in the Old Testament image of sitting in the ashes with the broken. It means that I need to discern the ways in which I become a vessel of hope. Ways in which I can be God's ambassador, God's representative, as Scripture says. Especially a hope to the marginalized. Because it seems like Jesus gave a great amount of time and care to them. So should not I? For if my hope does not desire and work for the hope of others... If my hope just works for me and doesn't work through me, it's not overflowing hope, is it? And most critically, this hope, it means that I need to stay connected to the source of all hope, the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit within me. We still are flying the color red, reminding us of Pentecost, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And our scripture from Romans 15 says, you may overflow with hope, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Not by some way in which you generate good vibes in yourself. By the power of the presence of Jesus in you, in his spirit, in me, in his spirit, we can overflow with hope. And that is what overflowing hope means to me in these days we are living in. It's just a few things. What does it mean to you? I pray that you will lean into the God of hope in these days we find ourselves. Because if we're not careful, if we don't, we can give in to cynical hopelessness and judgmental moralism and divisive argumentation and paralyzing despair. I pray that your life and mine would overflow with hope in what God has done in our lives is doing because of what we believe he will ultimately do in making all things right. And may you and me join God and allow our hope to overflow to others, especially those who are unlike us or who disagree with us or who do not look like us or even believe like us. It is hope in and from Jesus, this perseverance and character-forged hope that will not let us be put to shame. Let me share with you once again the words from the general superintendents of the Church of Nazarene that they wrote last week. They said this, We live today the way God wants his world to be tomorrow. Now think about that. Think about the world that God is going to make when he makes all things right. Think about that world. Think about how we're going to be together. Think about the beauty of the diversity brought together under the beauty of God. Think about the peace, the wholeness, the shalom of God in its fullness. Let me read that again. We live today the way God wants his world to be tomorrow. Hope demands we do more than speak a good word. 
It is a call to act on behalf of God's preferred coming future. And that is what the future hoping gospel has to say to us today. May you today sense his hope. May you live for and with the God of all hope. And may our suffering produce perseverance and character, which leads to hope in this world. And may we be vessels of that hope. Let us live with overflowing hope. Amen. That is the gospel of hope. Let's pray together. Lord, we pray that you would just be with us this day and that we would live out of the hope that we have in the gospel. How grateful we are, Lord Jesus, that you stepped right into our own mess. You found the mess of Jeff de Franca. You stepped right into it. You transformed my life, my living, my thinking, my loving. Thank you, God. Thanks be to God for your grace and your mercy. Lord, I pray that today in these days, Lord, help me, Lord, to overflow with hope towards others. Help, Lord God, your hope in me to be a source of grace to the world. Oh, Lord God, help this hope that's inside me overflow to those struggling with weariness. Weariness of the pandemic, weariness of an injustice, weariness of some personal struggles, weariness, Lord God, even of sin, for there we find forgiveness in you. Lord God, I pray you give us opportunities and help us to see the different places where we can trust you, the God of all hope today. Lord, thank you for the gospel of hope. May we live into and out of it's truth this day. In Jesus' name, amen. And now, my friends, as we go into this day today, God bless you. Um, please, 9 o'clock on Wednesday morning, invite you to join us for a word in prayer. Be looking for the email this week of updating just various information, bits of information. But now I do pray, as Paul said, I pray, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you do that, and if I do that, the world around us would be made new. In the name of Jesus, amen. Go in the hope that is Jesus. God bless you. Have a good day.